Hello there, I'm Miranda Gretton and this is Take a Moment with NCHC, the show where we talk to you and your colleagues about experiences that affect you. Listen on your drive between patients or in your downtime, whenever you get the chance to take a moment. Hi, I'm Mercy and I am the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Advisor here at NCHNC. And I'm Nick Bowman and I've got two jobs in the Trust. I'm the Freedom to Speak Up Guardian and I'm also a Community Learning Disability Nurse. We're here to talk a bit about Freedom to Speak Up. So Nick, tell us a bit more about this. So it kind of came out of the Francis report in about 2015 which was a report into the mid-staffs inquiry about the the malpractice, the poor quality that was going on in a very specific kind of hospital. And the inquiry, what it found was that there were lots of people within the service who were speaking up and were taking to senior leaders that there were issues around quality and patient care, but actually no one was really listening to them. So as part of the inquiry, what they recommended was that a national guardian's office was set up where every NHS trust would be compelled to have a freedom to speak up guardian who would basically be someone that any person can go to confidentially anonymous if they want to raise concerns about patient safety and patient care and then the role of the guardian would be to make sure that whoever spoke up their voice was heard at a senior level so that my role as a guardian in in our trust is to make sure that when people bring me things um, I can knock on our trust chief executive or chairman's or the senior leaders door and they and they kind of they have to listen to me and the point is that I will try and compel people to do something because it's okay speaking up but we then need to listen to to what they're saying and then we need to follow up as well i'm one guardian of about 600 at the moment across the country you know we're in a we're a community trust so we have very specific issues around the community other guardians work in ambulance services or acute trusts. they're very kind of different it's you know it's so important that people have somewhere to go if someone goes to work and sees something they're not sure about or is working in a, a pressured environment that they're feeling is not getting better, is getting worse, we don't want them to feel alone and we want them to feel if you can't go to your manager, you know, you can pick up the phone and come to me because I'll be completely separate. What kind of things are we talking here? What would somebody bring to you? So when it, when it was first set up, it was envisaged it would all be about patient care, patient safety. So, for example, if you're working on a ward and you feel that perhaps some of the procedures aren't as modern as they could be and the patient's welfare and care isn't being done in a particular way as is prescribed by policy and those kind of things, and they feel that uh, the person feels their manager's allowing those kind of things to happen, they, they can come to me about that kind of thing. That was what it was envisaged to be set up about. And over time, it's evolved. So as well as the patient safety stuff there's more about people feeling their managers aren't listening to them so there's more and more about the way people are supported by their their manager and often it's miscommunication so often it's the pressure of the job that makes people may have bad decisions i mean last year across the nhs there was over sixteen thousand people approached the guardians across the nhs so it's a lot of people coming forward saying, I need someone else to talk to. And, and it may be that 
I just have one or two conversations with people and that's enough for them to feel safe, supported, that they can go back and have a different kind of conversation with their manager or a different outlook. So maybe as simple as that. And for other people, I've been supporting them for a lot longer. I mean, you said about it being completely confidential, which of course is like one of the biggest motivators, I suppose, for somebody to go. But how does that affect the outcome of it? So let's say someone brings you something and it's something that would it's affecting them, but actually it probably affects a lot more people. Yeah. And we would want to affect some change around that yeah. issue. How would how does that kind of process work? Yeah, so so if it's a very if it's very broad and it, and their issue is about the service or the ward or the team they you know, the community team they work in, it's quite easy for me to go to a senior leader or manager and have a discussion and keep that person completely confidential because it's about a broad kind of issue whatever actions i take are always done in agreement with the individual who comes to me so so someone doesn't have a conversation tell me a problem and then just let me run loose i will always agree with them what i'm going to do Mm, I think I think it's definitely something that staff feel is really important to them that, that when issues are raised, whether it's by yourself or whether it's like through staff surveys or anything like that, that they're heard, that the yeah. voice has been heard. And I think by showing that actions have happened off the back of things, it really demonstrates that then, doesn't it, that your voice has been heard. And it was important that you came forward and talked about the issue. Yeah. So every October it's Freedom to Speak Up month. There are three strands. It's about speaking up, about listening, which is my role, but it's also the role of all, all of us within the service to listen when people do speak up. It's not just about me. It should be about all the senior leaders and managers within the trust doing that. And then the final thing, which is the most important thing really, is the following up. So we need to make sure the whole point of it when it was set up was to ensure that the services for our patients got better the quality improved so it's okay people raising things it's okay me listening or senior leaders listening but actually what we want is real change as well mercy i'm interested to hear from your perspective so how do you think that this freedom to speak up program breaks down barriers for our staff i'll start where nick has left off so in um the strands that he was just explaining. Again, October, not only is it Freedom Speak Up Month, it's Black History Month. In speaking up, we can eventually have this allyship that everyone talks about, because without literally speaking up, we can't actually move forward. We can't create the culture that we know that we can have and actually should have, so that staff feel safe to come to work because they know that their colleagues are going to speak up for them they're physically going to stand up for them if there is any form of discrimination living in a place such as Norfolk where the minority is black and Asian and minority ethnic people where we feel like we don't have much representation that we aren't seen that we're not heard having people stand up for us if a colleague or most importantly a patient is discriminating against us because of the way that we look and yet we are the most expert people and we are the best placed people to provide this care is so important we need to ensure that the service that Nick is providing is upheld and that it is seen to be one of the most essential things that is going to ensure that our careers progress and that our place in our community is respected so that we can provide that 
amazing healthcare that we all deserve and that we can work in an environment that ensures the safety of the staff providing the healthcare, no matter what level it is, we're all respected. You know that the the weird little microaggressions, you know it's wrong that people don't say something because it can be awkward or you can feel as if, oh, I'm putting myself in a in a position where I don't feel safe. But without saying anything, the cycle continues. This might be a controversial question, but let's say I have something that I want to speak up about and it's quite sensitive and personal and I don't feel comfortable coming to Nick because he's a man and I would like to speak to a woman. What what happens in that kind of scenario? And I know that you're a safe space. I know that, but I don't want to talk to you about it. I want to talk to a woman. Is are there other options? Yeah. So um, I mean, obviously, I, I'm a white middle aged man, so I don't tick many of the kind of uh, diversity boxes really, and I'm I'm acutely aware of that. As is the National Guardian's office, and we're they're trying to work really hard to to make sure that we can meet all groups. And that's been really hard in COVID because all people know about me is a phone number and they may have seen my photo on a poster. But actually, if you're going to trust someone, you need to have a bit of a relationship with someone. But there will always be people who who would rather not speak to me for whatever reason, which is why across the trust, we have about 50 champions who've had some, some kind of training, but also some regular contact with me about the kind of things that I would like them to do, which is to promote the notion of speaking up. And there's a range of them. And hopefully you'd never be too far from a champion. So you might see them working alongside you on a ward or they might be in a community team. So they're dotted around and they're on the internet so you can find them. And that's a, a mixture of people. So that hopefully you would be able to find someone that you can kind of talk to. Or even if you wanted to come to me and say, look, I've got an issue, but I'd feel more comfortable, then I can signpost you to another person. And that could be someone within our organisation, or it could be someone outside of our organisation. So one of the other guardians that are, are local. So I think what's important is that people feel they can take the first step and go somewhere. What I don't want is anyone of any of our 3,000 plus staff feeling they've got no one to turn to. It's very interesting to hear that you can come to Freedom to Speak Up with kind of any issue, whether it's about yourself or or a colleague or a staff member. I did see a a word associated with Freedom to Speak Up. The word is whistleblowing. I'm interested to know whether you think that that kind of misrepresents the service slightly, that it's not necessarily that I'm going to call out someone for bad behaviour or bad practice. Actually, sometimes it's about coming to you because of me, because it's something that I need. Unfortunately, the tagline whistleblower is still attached to speaking up, but we we don't use it um, in normal everyday language with people. What I certainly what I want to encourage is about it's about the individual feeling okay and safe to raise a concern, no matter how big or small. You know, it could be something absolutely massive that as a trust we should all be really scared about, or it could be some minute thing that has a big impact on that person. We just want them to take the first step. Normally you would speak to a colleague or a line manager or I think our senior leaders are all quite open and accessible. You can go to them. But if you if you're unsure about that, there's always Nick. You know, you can always come to me and uh and I'll try and help and support as best I can. Um, I meet with HR regularly, I sit on quality committees. There's a whole series of things that that I do that I think helps the process of freedom speak up. We really want people to speak up, but then we want some change at the end of that. I'm interested to know what 
a session might look like so if I had an issue would we have a team's call would I meet you face to face what what would, what would it would it be an hour like what would it look like so I'll offer the offer people the opportunity to do a team's a phone call or, or an in-person and there's no set parameters because they're bringing the issue that first contact is me listening and trying to understand what it is they're they're bringing forward and what they would want out of it but it very much depends on the individual and what their issue is so it's not really a I'm going to give Nick an issue and then he needs to run off and solve it all because that doesn't really work we need to do that kind of stuff together and at some point I need you know we will get to a point where we say okay is is everything okay are you, are you fine do you feel whatever has been resolved and at that point they need to make some kind of agreement to that and then I'll kind of be saying to them you know do you think it worked was it was it good was it a good experience etc part of doing this is to try and understand what issues come forward because there's a trust we need to understand it and whether people feel that if they do come forward it's a positive experience so you know the majority of people who who have had contact with me their responses are yes it has been a positive experience like you say even if nothing comes of it and they've just come to you and had a conversation it's that kind of weight off your chest kind of thing it's just yeah. having those conversations isn't it yeah yeah you know something i've noticed in the last probably four to five months is that you know it's really stressful working in the nhs i know what it, i still know what it's like working as a community nurse it seems a bit relentless at times and often you will feel it's only your little area of work that has that relentless nature about it and actually if i can just reflect to other people actually what your experience is in happening in other in other parts of the service often that makes people feel oh, it's not just me kind of thing have you experienced an increase then in people coming to you since covid Initially, there was a drop off, but as we come out of it, then yes, there, there, there's more of an increase. Uh, and I think some of that is aligned to not necessarily just what individuals are feeling, but services are stretched, recruitment is difficult. There are lots of things that go to make people come to work and feel like it's really challenging. In reply to Nick, talking about sharing stories with relevance to being in Norfolk um, for most black people because there aren't many of us here in Norfolk our story isn't going to be the same as everybody else's but that's what kind of makes it important to share it so as much as us as black people we live being black every day and so it's not a new story for us it's not new for us to either experience or hear that our friend, our family member, somebody that we barely know or another black person on the TV, whatever, has been experiencing discrimination on a daily, at work, in the street, just going about their everyday life. That isn't a new story for us. But for people living here in Norfolk, it will be new for them to hear. So we talk about microaggressions. Some people don't even realise that they're the ones that are perpetuating, that they are the ones that are actually the perpetrators of the microaggressions. They just think they're having an innocent conversation or they're asking something innocent about you when in actual fact you've heard it a hundred thousand times in your lifetime because you've been here, there and everywhere and now we have landed in Norfolk it's new for a lot of the community especially the more older community to see more black people or any other minority ethnic person our stories are really important and for somebody like nick to hear them 
is extremely important because the impact is completely different. And to have somebody on the outside hearing it and then understanding how we then support colleagues, our well-being is paramount. And so if we're taking all of this stuff home on top of treating patients and some of the stories that they come with, it's compounding. Everybody that works in the NHS is simply amazing. And we need to keep these amazing people and we need to be able to support them. I think it is, it's important to talk about that because the learning about equality in our trust that could come mm. from freedom to speak up could be so powerful if shared across the departments. The learning needs to come consistently from departments, projects and things like that, but also from these services that we offer like freedom to speak up. So what would you say to someone who's listening to this right now and who is perhaps scared to come forward? I think what I'd say is it's okay to be scared. You know, coming forward can be difficult. It is challenging. And take that first step. And even if you take the first step and offload and then say, I don't want anything done about it, you've taken a massive first step. So, yeah, so be brave. That's what I would say. And from a, you know, from a mental health perspective, it's a bit like the thing of a glass of water. If you keep pouring problems into your glass of water, eventually it will overflow. At some point you need to offload, you know, you need to kind of keep emptying that glass of water and sharing that water around. Sharing it around. That's such a good point. Like accepting help. The very phrase suggests you've got to wait for someone to offer help. And actually, what we need to do more of is to put our hands up and say, I need the help. Where is the help? You know, you come to a point like Nick said, you come to a point where this water is just pouring out and it's just going. And you're like, oh, my God, I've created a flood and there is nothing. There's nothing left to do apart from literally have a breakdown. And rather than getting to that point, asking for help is so important. And it doesn't matter what that person looks like. Whomever is giving you the help, let's go and speak to those people that are there to look after us. If we can speak to our line managers, if we can speak to our peer colleagues, if every one of them is saying, go and speak to your Freedom to Speak Up Guardian, speak to your Freedom to Speak Up Guardian, speak to Nick. He's the one that's there for us. Absolutely. If your arm was falling off, you would go to your doctor. You know, if your mental health is falling off a cliff, you should go to a Nick. Go to Nick. Yeah. Or go to someone. It doesn't have to be a Nick. Exactly. Exactly. Someone that you feel you can kind of trust. Mm -hmm. Someone that you feel is going to listen to you firstly. Let's say I came to you with something a couple of years ago and you listened and it was a great, it was fantastic. I had a great service and it was wonderful. And things did change slightly. But now things are creeping back to how they were. And I'm a bit not feeling great about that. Is it okay to revisit? Can I come back to you about a, an issue that perhaps you would see as closed? Is is that okay? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because it is, it's a kind of a. There may be similarities, but it's a new issue to you as an individual, isn't it? It's a re-emergence of something, and and often these things come back at the strangest of times. And if you need a small crutch to help you through that short period of time, that's absolutely fine. The service is there all the time for anyone who wants to come through. So if you're a staff member and you feel you want to have a discussion, pick up the phone. Thank you for listening to Take a Moment with NCHC. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please visit the podcast intranet page to leave a comment and for details of our other episodes. You can also follow NCHC on all social media channels.